The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. It's early, early Friday morning. Happy Friday to everybody. And Hawks play tonight against the Portland Trailblazers here in Atlanta. They lost the first game in Portland after a phenomenal performance from DeJounte Murray. He just couldn't out outlast Damian Lillard, who's been playing phenomenal lately. So this will certainly be a, a tough test. In Quinn Snyder's second game, yes, second game as the Atlanta Hawks head coach. His coaching debut came a few days later on Tuesday here at home against the Washington Wizards. And it was an adjustment getting used to seeing Quinn Snyder on the sidelines. Um, I know it was celebrated by a a lot of Hawks fans and he had a standing ovation to start the game. But as far as coaching is concerned, he coached. He did get it to some officials, but he really relied on those from the previous staff to kind of continue doing their thing and kind of let the players play. So that was his first chance in person to kind of see what he was working with, being in the locker room, uh, making substitution decisions, game management decisions. And he got the, the good and the bad. That is all the Atlanta Hawks for the 2022-2023 season. The Hawks spoil the season debut for Quinn Snyder blowing a lead in the fourth quarter, which we've seen some runs given up for the Hawks, even in the midst of the two games they were playing well on the Prunty. But again... You got to defend in this league and when everybody continually who Hawks fans out there who keep saying that offense is the problem, offense is the problem. Again, it's defense that bites you in the rear end. And instead of feeling really good about how you played and they played really well, especially First half and then the second quarter, they played great defensively. But the Wizards were fighting from the jump and fought for four quarters, and the Hawks didn't. The Wizards, now neither team executed well the entire game um, as far as wire-to-wire is concerning. But there were times where The Wizards didn't execute, and the Hawks would extend their lead. And then the Hawks wouldn't execute as well. The Wizards would, and they would cut the deficit. And they just kept chipping away and chipping away. And Brad Beal and Kyle Kuzma had phenomenal games. To finally overthrow the Hawks in the fourth quarter, where the Hawks were outscored by eight points compared to the Washington Wizards in the fourth quarter. And they end up losing the game. 
Um, Trey Young had two looks from three at the buzzer and missed both of them to try to tie it up and put it into overtime. And that was that was all she wrote. That ended up being the game. And it was a very winnable game, a game that the Hawks should have won and did not due to lack of getting defensive stops in the fourth quarter, lack of execution, and them giving up another lead which has been a mantra no matter who's been the coach. And at some point, we have to attribute that to personnel. You know, the not defending in stretches, the blown leaves, the lack of focus, the lack of attention to detail, which Quinn Snyder is really good at. But obviously it was his first game. He hadn't had a chance to initiate anything. And I didn't expect him to initiate anything. He just kind of sat back and let them play. And he saw the good that was the Atlanta Hawks offense, the bad that was the Atlanta Hawks defense, the good that was what Trey Young can be engaged, and the bad at times is when you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and... As great of a game as Trey Young played, he played a really good game on Tuesday night. The fourth quarter is what is going to dampen the great stat line that he had. I mean, in the fourth quarter alone, Trey Young was one of eight in the fourth quarter. And that includes the two threes at the end that he missed. Did I make the best of decisions down the stretch? And that's something that, and you guys know, I have been critical of. And that's something that has to get better. And I think in a true partnership with Quinn Snyder in the right attitude on both sides, in the right approaches, that's something that could change and elevate the play of this team and elevate the play of Trey Young. But, I mean, 31 points... Great game. He was really, really good the first three quarters, especially in that third quarter. I think he had 16 points alone in the third quarter. Um, so a great game that was soured by the end. And Hawks have had problems the last several years finishing games, putting teams away. And that instinct, that trait, it's what separates the great teams from the good teams. The Hawks have the talent to potentially be a great team, in my opinion. But there are things holding them back that's making them a good team, which is why they are hovering around 500 instead of being five games above 500 consistently. Seven games, eight games above 500. The ability to put teams away that are inferior to you. They didn't have Chris Stott, Porzingis. They really didn't have a lot of help outside of Kuzma and Bill, who were phenomenal. Especially Bill in that fourth quarter. I think he had 10 points alone in the fourth quarter. People saying, oh, we have Quinn Snyder. We're going to make an Eastern Conference Finals run. That's not realistic. The traits of this team are embedded. 
And we're seeing that it's beyond coaching. Defense. Blowing leads, not being able to finish teams off. Execution, especially late in games. The ball movement stopping in the fourth quarter. And hero ball ensuing. Those are traits that are ingrained in his team at this point. And it's going to take an offseason to scrub that from this team. Like I said, they didn't run a new offensive system on Tuesday. It was them just going out and playing and doing them. Just to see what was the lay of the land for Quinn Snyder. And that's what these next 20 mile games are going to be in the regular season. What do you have on this roster? What can Quinn Snyder work with? What can he work with? This is an evaluation period. And I said that on the last episode with Glenn when we had him on the program when the news dropped about Quinn Snyder being a coach. But certainly there's work to be done with this team. And it's beyond this remaining of remaining stretch of the regular season. It's beyond this offseason, which is very important. This offseason is going to be very telling about the direction of this team. And the next offseason, when you have to make a decision on Deshante Murray, it's going to be big too. You have to decide on Okongwu. you got to decide on if you're actually going to move Bogey and John Collins. DeAndre Hunter, who woke up a little bit on Tuesday night, I think he's one of your best defenders on the team. But he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle in the last some of our games where they focus more on offense and they don't feature him as much. There are decisions that this front office and Quinn Snyder are going to have to make. So, and you guys know I'm real. I'm a realist and I tell you how it is. I don't tell you what you want to hear. I tell you what I see and what you need to hear. And what you need to hear, Hawks fans, is we're not out of the woods yet because we change coaches. I told you that from before. I told you that, and, and it's one game. It's one game. And I'm not jumping on them for losing one game. Even though in this stretch, every game counts, especially teams in your division. That was the first time we've seen the Wizards all year. We're going to see them three more times in the next three weeks. We're going to get ours back. We're going to get our leg back against the Wizards. Trust me. We are. But we have to be real with ourselves and realize that, and I've been saying this and tweeting this, the Hawks don't have a coaching problem. They have a foundation and culture problem. And that is what Quinn Snyder was brought here to do. Change the culture, instill some discipline, instill a more detail-oriented team, and not a free-flowing team that just reads and reacts. He's been known to mend cultures and develop players 
That's what he was brought in for. He had to deal with the, the Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert dynamic in the locker room. And as much as a lot of people don't want to hear and think that the national media is attacking them or the Atlanta sports media is trying to divide this fan base and run Trey Young out of town, according to my sources, a lot of the stuff that people are saying have merit behind closed doors. It's a fact. There is a disconnect between Trey Young and his teammates outside of what you see on games with the handshakes and um, them talking on the bench. I mean, you got to think. You guys work. You know the, the star person at work who maybe you don't get along with and produces really well at work. The manager, you know, they he knows that he comes in and produces high numbers. He or she, sorry. He or she produces high numbers and they're very talented and they've been maybe fast-tracked at work and things seem to come easy to them, but they may not always be the best in team project situations. They try to, you know, put the team on the, on their backs. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but it slights the other coworkers and makes them feel not as great about themselves and their standing within the organization. And that's a real situation that happens in the real world. And from what I'm hearing, that's what's happening here in Atlanta. Whether you want to believe it or not, this is not an attack on Trey Young. I have said my critiques about his lack of leadership skills and that he needs to grow in that. You guys give him grace and say, well, he's young. I mean, you give a lot of leeway and a lot of excuses for him. And I get that. He's our star player. He's beloved. He brings people into the State Farm Arena. And he, he's a box office player. Especially when he's engaged. He's a box office talent. But sometimes talent doesn't make the best leaders. And talent doesn't make the best coaches. That's why Michael Jordan doesn't coach. Highly competitive, just like Trey Young. May not see the game the same way as somebody else in a different role who's had different roles on teams. May not be as relatable. May be unapproachable. And that's just what it is. That's life. There are just people that are out there like that. And for what I'm hearing, Trey Young is more like that. And people who are trying to, and I'll get some slack from it, trying to absolve him of what's going on, you're just wrong. He can't be absolved of everything, especially if you're the franchise player. And no one else reported it, but I did. From behind the scenes, from what sources have told me, he did push and express his concerns about you know removing Nate McMillan. So as much as we can't say that Tuesday's game was on Quinn Snyder because that was his first day on the job, everything that happens from here on out will be hyper-focused on Trey Young, whether you like it or not. He pushed for this. He's a star player. There, there have been two coaches, two black coaches, that have been fired since he's been here in Atlanta, in the last three years, they've been fired. These are valid questions 
surrounding our star player here in Atlanta. So the very important thing is that Trey got his wish. You have to go out there and you got to get wins. He's performing great. The last three games since All-Star break, he has been on fire. Scoring the ball. Over 30 points in each game. I don't think he's had a stretch this year of three games, three straight games of 30 points or more. I don't think he's had a stretch like that this year. He's been dishing the ball well. The offense hasn't looked good. But that's when everybody eats. And going back and looking at the numbers from Tuesday night, and we're going to dive into more of the numbers after a quick break here shortly, but it wasn't like the other nights. I mean, the other two games, the Hawks were shooting north of 55%. I mean, shooting really well from three-point range. They were just on another planet offensively the, la- the the two games prior. And the Hawks did have seven players in double digits. But when it mattered in the fourth quarter, this offense withered. The defense was not as good. And you let Brad Beal and Kyle Kuzma just put the Washington Wizards on their backs and win the game. They only had three players in double digits. Gafford with 13 and 12, Beal with 37, and Kuzma with 28. You let a team that is not as great offensively as you shoot better than you. You let a team that's eh at rebounding, I'll rebound you. You didn't move the ball around well. Only 21 team assists on Tuesday night. You took care of the ball, which was great. You scored a fast break, but you let the Wizards dominate you in the paint. The Wizards were plus 14 in the paint Tuesday night. And yeah, the officiating was not great. It was some bad officiating. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real. Especially that third quarter. Got a Kongu his fifth foul. They gave him three fouls in like four or five minutes. That was absurd. But despite the bad calls in the, in the third quarter, you were still up by five going into the fourth. And you blew a lead at home to the Wizards. It's a team effort. It is. But I'm going to have to... Be real with you. There's going to continue to be a lot of scrutiny on Trey Young. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. You are the star player. There's a lot of reports about you. There are questions about your leadership. Questions about how you're getting along with your teammates. The power dynamics in the in, within the franchise. In the front office, I mean, don't get me started on that. When you're the star player, those questions are asked about you, whether fans like it or not, whether other people in the media who are covering the Hawks like it or not. That is the responsibility of a star player. 
being available for the media, answering the tough questions, and being the voice of the franchise. There's going to be more scrutiny on that than the coaching of Quinn Snyder. Some may say it's not fair, but in the NBA, stars rule the league over coaches more times than not. So you're going to have to be treated like a star and answer the tough questions and you're going to have to lead. And that's the, that's the reality of it. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to dive a little bit more into the numbers of the game and talk a little bit about Portland tonight. But first, this quick plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues. In every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary. And I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. And you probably turned those huge wins into some cash. Or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. As I said before, Hawks had seven players in double digits. Trey Young was the leading scorer, 31 points. He was 11 to 26 from the floor. He had seven assists. Four turnovers. One block from Trey Young. DeJounte Murray didn't have a great game offensively. So, more can be said that you needed more from DeJounte Murray. 15 points on 7 of 18 shooting. 5 assists. 1 of 6 from 3. He was, um... He had 2 rebounds that game. Plus 3 on a plus minus. And honestly, he had the highest plus minus on the team despite not having a great offensive performance. But certainly, you need more from DeJounte Murray. Clint Capella, 13 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 blocks. 2 steals as well. He had a really good game, in my opinion. Really good game. DeAndre Hunter had one of his better games as far as post-All-Star break. He had nine points in each of the last two games, respectively. He had 14 on Tuesday, 6 of 11 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3, 3 rebounds. One in foul trouble. The problem was foul trouble uh, the first two games after All-Star break. Didn't get in foul trouble this game. It was another culprit, which we'll talk about here in a bit. John Collins, who continues to get lost in the shuffle offensively. But he was coming off injury, so... We have to give John Collins a little bit of slack. 
10 points, 4 rebounds. He was 3 of 6 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3. So that was the Hawks starters. Everybody was in double digits. But certainly, I mean, when you look at it, Collins had 6 shots. Hunter had 11. Murray had 18. Trey Young had 26. It could be said that maybe some other people need to be involved a little bit more. A little bit more. But, I mean, hey, you got to you make your shots. You got to make your shots. I mean, DeJounte Murray, who is hot like the last 10 games or so for the Hawks, kind of cooled off on Tuesday night. You got to get more from DeJounte Murray, and I'll be the first one to say it. Offensively, we need, we need more from him. Off the bench, a Congo who got in foul trouble, which many of the fouls were not warranted. So I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real with you there. Uh, that was bad. That was poor officiating, especially in that third quarter. That was very bad. Can't use it as an excuse, but certainly you can point to that and be like, that needs to be better. And that's not in the Hawks' control. Um, it was a very physical game, by the way. Very physical. Kind of let the Hawks and Wizards play in the second half. but And I would say that, but they more still let the Wizards play than the Hawks. Uh, because the Hawks couldn't do anything because every 45 seconds there was a whistle being blown. But that's neither here nor there. So only 13 minutes from Okongwu because of the five fouls. 3.6 rebounds. One assist. One steal. One block. Two points from A.J. Griffin. He continues to be lost in the fold recently, not shooting the ball well, kind of out of rhythm. Maybe hitting a little rookie wall, which happens with rookies. Uh, two points, two assists, two rebounds. Sadiq Bey, 12 points off the bench. He hit four three-pointers off the bench, added six rebounds. He continues to play well for the Hawks. Certainly, I was critical of the move. He's been shooting the ball well. Uh, defense is still an issue when it comes to Sadiq Bay, but it, it's an issue for this entire Hawks team. So I can't just isolate him, but that was one of my concerns is that you get Sadiq Bay, he's a streaky scorer. I mean, he's been more on for us than not early on in three games, which is good. He's been shooting an absurd percentage from three since he's been an Atlanta Hawk, which is good. People think three-point shooting is something that needs to be addressed, and it does need to be addressed. And the Hawks are shooting more threes now that Naaman Miller is out. Uh, they shot 35 threes, and they were 37% from three. Not a bad night. Above their season average, certainly. And above their season average of three points, three-pointers attempted. So you're going the right direction in the three-point category, which is great as a, if you're a Hawks fan watching. And Bogey continues to shoot the ball very well. 16 points, four three-pointers from him as well. So eight threes combined from Sadiq Bey and Bogey. They combined for over half the threes made by the Hawks on Tuesday night. Definitely need better three-point shooting. I mean, Hunter made two, Trey Young made two. But certainly, if you're going to shoot six, if you're DeJounte Murray, which I think he only needs to shoot four or five max a game. You're going you're gonna to need more from him there. You're going to need John Collins to make his corner threes uh, when asked to. 
Um, Griffin, when he plays, obviously, you know, he's one of the better shooters on the team. I think uh, Sadiq Bates may be taking, well, Bogey's one of the best shot makers on the team. Sadiq Bay may be the best shooter on the team. AJ Griffin is in that fold. So you're going to need a little bit more from, you know, Griffin and Collins and Hunter was 205. I can't complain with that because I don't think Hunter needs to shoot more than five threes a game, in my opinion. But certainly, I mean, if you're going to look at a culprit, I mean, we know Trey Young is around a 34, 35% three-point shooter this year. Um, Murray has been has been a pleasant surprise shooting the ball. He did off and on, but he's been more on than off, especially lately. You're going to need more than one for six from three um, if you're counting on Murray, in my opinion. But the big thing, 21 team assist, not as great. Ball movement really stopped in the fourth quarter. As I said, it was a lot of more hero ball. Um, that really just stopped getting everybody else involved. And Trey was putting it more on his shoulders instead of, you know, picking and choosing his moments with something that I would like to see for him to continue to grow. And maybe that grows with Quinn Snyder. So. You got to get more people involved. You have to play better defense. I mean, like I said, the Wizards shot just under 50% from the floor. Uh, 49.5% from the floor. Um, the Hawks did really well guarding the three-point line for the Wizards. But definitely the difference was, you know, getting stops and executing in the fourth quarter. I mean, you got to take care of the ball in the fourth quarter. You have to continue what was successful in the three quarters prior. And like I said, that has been something that the Hawks have continued to do all season. All season long. And the Hawks luckily have a few days between games. So we'd like to see if they're able to have some practice time. I know Trey Young is probable for today's game. Dealing with a sore groin. And I think he's the only one on the injury report as of right now. But I'm curious what the extra days will do as far as, you know, Quinn Snyder being able to be in a film room with this team on the, on the practice floor and see what adjustments and changes are made, you know, from Tuesday night to tonight. I mean, he's very familiar with the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, they were in the same division as the Utah Jazz. So very familiar with Dame in the, in the gang from Portland, who will be in town tonight to take on the Atlanta Hawks. And as I've been saying, Dame has been playing out of out of his mind. But the Portland Trailblazers are 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games. They live by Dame. They die by Dame. It's, it is what it is. And that's because they have a really young roster up there. And they're still trying to figure out which direction they're going. And they have some decisions to make this offseason. Um, the Hawks are a six and a half point favorite tonight over the Blazers. And it would be nice to see the Hawks get some revenge on the Trailblazers after they lost in Portland to them. Again, no Trey Young in that game. Trey Young is probable, so hopefully he'll play. He should play. 
But it'll be great to see him and Dame go head-to-head. It will be great to see the Hawks rebound and see what changes come about from a few days of rest and being in the facility together, you know, with Trey Young, uh, Quinn Snyder and the gang and see what comes from tonight's game. And again, um, and I'm reading an article from CBS Sports. It may not be the most flattering article um, covering Trey Young, so a lot of Hawks fans may scoff at this article and roll her eyes. But the biggest thing that I took from this article, which maybe give more insight to Quinn Snyder, maybe not for this year, but from beyond. And it was a really good article just talking about why the rush to get Quinn Snyder in. And a lot of people think that it's because the big decisions looming around this team and Snyder's track record of establishing, you know, a good culture of player development, having strong relationships with his players. And the culture is something that needs to be cleaned up here in Atlanta and bringing him in sooner rather than later to get some extra time to get to know this team being in the locker room. Maybe he can start to build a plan to, Turn this thing around in Atlanta. But like I've been saying, it's going to have to take buy-in from all parties in order for this to work. Like I said, buy-in is not going to come day one or game two like tonight. It's going to take time to build. It's going to take time to build trust and build relationships and for Quinn Snyder to really get a lay of the land, which is why I did not like the decision to, I didn't love the decision to fire Naaman Millen at the time that we did and bring in a new coach right now in the midst of a playoff um, push here in Atlanta where you won't have a real chance to really put your imprint on this team as great as you would with an off season and having exit meetings and, you know, bringing guys in for workouts during the summer and building up relationships over the summer and training camp, all those really important moments where it's no fans, it's no media. It's just you, your staff and the team working together. It's going to be, it's going to be tough sledding. It's going to be tough sledding. So that's why I said, hey, you really can't judge Quinn Snyder harshly for these next 20 games. And that's why it goes back to the top of the program. It's all on Trey Young's shoulders. And the best way for him to not have all that pressure on him and not, you know, let the pressure get to you is to utilize your teammates and elevate the player of those around you. It's, it's, it's on DeJounte Murray. It's on DeAndre Hunter. Okongu, Capella, John Collins, Bogey, Sadiq Bey, A.J. Griffin. Jalen Johnson hasn't played much. And I don't know if he will, which is going to be to the dismay of Hawks fans. But whoever's on the court, whoever's in that locker room, if you're going to make a push, it's going to be more on you, the players, 
than it is on Quinn Snyder at this point. So we'll see how they rebound from the first game under Quinn Snyder and and how they press forward uh, from here on out. So we interested to watch this Trailblazers game. That's going to be tonight here in Atlanta, 7.30 tip-off in the State Farm Arena. And like I said, like Trey Young says, another day, another opportunity. Let's see what they do with this opportunity. And if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars. Give it a good review. Share this podcast with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, general basketball fans. It doesn't matter. Put them onto this program. Put them onto our Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks. And then follow myself at Brad Jarrett 67. This is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. Can't wait for tonight's game. Big matchup. You got to get a win. You got to rebound from the Wizards at home. Because after this matchup against the Wizards, the your Atlanta Hawks are going to be on the road. Going to be on the road. You have basically two games in Miami. You have a game tomorrow night. And then you have a game on Monday night, both in Miami. You see the Wizards again on Wednesday and next Friday. So next four games after this is Southeast Division opponents. You have to split Miami and at least split in Washington, if not take both of those. And then you see the Celtics next Saturday. So between now and next Saturday, the Hawks have six games. So this is going to be a very, very interesting stretch. Divisional opponents, a game that you should win against Portland here in Atlanta. And then obviously the Celtics next Saturday. We'll see how the Hawks play. How they grow under Quinn Snyder on the fly. And let's see if the Hawks can soar into the playoffs. We'll catch you guys next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.